994. So that's six away, can you believe it? Six away, that's amazing. By the time this episode drops, we're probably gonna way past 5,000, but we are at almost 5,000 We're gonna listens. hit 5,000 listens tonight. This is crazy. I'm very excited. I told you on Monday we'd do it by, by Friday. This yeah. has been fantastic. You were right. We've, we've got this new uh, drop schedule where we're releasing episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We've got our premium channel and we've got almost 5,000 plays. I think we've come a long way. It's been good. Oh my goodness. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's the Res, an ongoing conversation about the current resolutions of the world of high school debate. My name is Josh Herring. I'm a debate instructor and human debate coach and humanities instructor at Thales Academy, Rollsville, North Carolina. This episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Delves. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be looking at the September-October NSDA Lincoln-Douglas Resolution, which reads, Resolved, in the United States, colleges and universities ought not consider standardized tests in undergraduate admissions decisions. Ethan, what you got? That what is probably the longest resolution I've ever had to debate. I was there that I'm about to debate. This I is... I don't think it's as long as the Coolidge well, Resolution. Well, the Coolidge... Yeah, I did... I also said that for the Coolidge one, but this one... This one's a long one, too, and... I like the wording where it says ought. I like it when we have ought in the resolution because that gives a really good grounds for creating a good moral framework and having a nice value and everything, and it adds some more substance to the debate, so I like that. And um, I think it's really relevant as well. So again, NSDA do typically does this a lot. I think they've chosen a really good topic that relates to the times well, especially with the addition of the adversity score that we just saw in the SAT a while back. So. Uh, Shout out to NSDA. That's a good resolution. There we go. And it, it's also, of course, quite uh, helpful. It's, it's very topical, to, of course, for high schoolers to debate this because oh, yeah. I know you're probably already looking at colleges. And if not, you will be over the next year and mm -hmm. applying to colleges this time next year. That's right. So it, it's what a great time to uh, actually dive in and study the purposes of college and whether or not standardized tests help us get to those purposes. Yeah, it's definitely a good choice. Okay, well, let's, let's start. I figure we ought to start by walking through the resolution. Uh, so take, take it away. What do you see in the resolution first? First, we have in the United States. So we're not going international. We're just focusing on a domestic resolution, which I also think is good. And there's an inverted structure here as well, because the affirmative has a negation in it. So the affirmative is... Are, what are you, you're already laughing at that. Oh, what do you I think? Just, it, it's just so hard for me to keep in mind. I, I mean, know. It's, like, okay, so affirmative is agreeing with a negative statement. So affirmative is negating, but there's still affirm. It just, it just ties my head in knots when I see Sometimes this kind of when I run into something like that, I tend to replace the words like should and shouldn't with this is bad and this is good. Kind of like with the, the, the this house resolutions, that uh -huh. we, is that policy? Or no, that's uh, that's parley, or parley parliamentary. Right, yeah, that's parliamentary. Where I just replace it with this is bad or this is good, which I know doesn't work all the time, but at least in my head it helps me keep it straight. Sure. So we do have affirmative with a negative statement, and negative is affirming the status quo. So it's a little bit different, but I think it's okay. And standardized tests, the, AC, the SAT and the ACT are the big two, and we see a couple of competitors coming up as well that aren't quite as big yet, owned by different right. organizations. We'll get into that. Um, colleges and universities are considering the undergrad for the four-year degree, so I don't think we're focusing on community colleges. I agree. Um, it's not going to be dealing with those. Unless there's any very large examples of community colleges relating to the a ACT and SAT, what do you think? No, I, mean, I, I think literally the resolution defines this as undergraduate admissions decisions. So that's referring particularly to oh yeah degree. So I just completely forgot that part. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're talking about bachelor's degree. We're not talking uh, community colleges. Those are giving out associate's degrees. Right. So your two-year degree is often convertible to be the first two years of a four-year degree. But this is considering colleges and universities rather than community colleges. Here's one more thing. Should we, be should we be worried about the optional submission 
for the SAT and ACT. What do you think the where do the burdens lie as far as I, I think this one's going to be really interesting because as I was looking, I was trying to research a little bit of this today, and I, I didn't know this, but there are apparently uh, one thousand colleges nationwide, and that number is probably only going up. Uh, one thousand colleges and universities that your submission of your SAT and ACT scores are optional. I had no idea it was that many. It's yeah, it's it's grown a lot. It's there, there's this is another timely resolution because. This is part of the college landscape. Colleges are trying to make several moves, and getting away from standardized testing is apparently part of the rationale for that. But we'll get into some more of that in a moment. But the trick here, as far as the resolution goes, is how far does this ought not really extend? Now, because the trick is that in the articles that I read, where I got one from Daily Nebraskan, I got one from US News, NPR had an article, and Inside Higher Ed, have another article, and then uh, there's a big study that I at least skimmed called Defining Access, How Test Optional Works. That's by Stephen Syverson, Valerie Franks, and William Hiss. Now, the trick with all of these, they all agree. They all had different pieces in them that quoted places that have, or uh, officials at colleges that are test optional. The trick is every one of these officials said when students submit their test, those tests are considered in the application. So I think that's outside of the, what the affirmative is arguing. Yeah, I would agree. So affirmative cannot be saying, oh, well, we're just going to make this test optional. If they do that, I think they fail to uphold the resolution. Because it's still being considered. It's just like if you, you have the option to submit it or not. So for yep. NEG, I mean, you should be on the lookout for that. I mean, NEG should be ready with some evidence to say, well, look, here's four different university officials who've said when people submit their scores, we do consider those in the application. And even so, like, find a stat on that, too, just as a tiny block that you can have ready for your case. Find out if you submit the SAT or ACT, how many people that submit it get in and how many people who don't submit it get mm -hmm. in. So we can see if that holds an advantage there, and that would completely destroy any argument for the optional consideration kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so I, mean, I think this is a place where we really do have a pretty strong clash because while there are a lot of schools that are now going test optional, there's very few that do not even allow you to submit those scores. Yeah. So that really, for affirmative to really uphold their burden, I think they've got to be advocating for something completely different than the traditional the major change. test option. Yeah, so, and we were talking about this earlier. What do you see as the major issues at play in this resolution? Because my mind was all over the place with you know, money in certain places and college admissions offices. Diversity right. was one thing we were talking about earlier and, and race and how we incorporate that. So what are... Give us a, a rundown of the major issues at this I, I'll, I'll, I'll give mine, and then I want to hear yours. Right. I know you usually have a, a – we, we, I think we're going to have a different difference of opinion here. Probably. So I'm looking at this resolution, and I'm initially seeing two goods that are in direct competition. On the one hand, the negative is really going to be looking at the purpose of college being all about a community based on academic rigor. And in order to get that, it's got to have strong objective measurements in order to let people into that community. So think of this on the negative side as something like a gated community. Not everybody's going to live there. Not everyone's going to get in. The people who meet the requirements are the ones who are going to get in. And the requirements for entry in this case are proof of academic ability and rigor, and the SAT and the ACT are universally are universal standards for the American college scene to show academic ability. On the other side, I think affirmative is going to be looking at diversity and uh, really uh, the word I saw in a lot of these articles was equity okay. and making sure that people have equal access to whatever social benefit a college education contains. So on affirmative, they're really going to be looking at 
even if it leads to some small decline in the academic rigor of a college community, that cost is nothing compared to the greater benefit of increasing the diversity of the college space. That's what negatives arguing. No, that's what affirmatives are going to okay. be arguing. And that really, as there is a, there's a decent amount of evidence that really suggests that these tests really do correlate. I, nobody can really establish causation that I know of, but there's a lot of correlating evidence to suggest that the SAT and the ACT are directly related to race. So if, you're, if your standard is attached to, if you have to have a certain score on a standardized test for your application to be seriously considered, well, that's really establishing a barrier to uh, the underserved minority communities, is another of the phrases that is in a lot of the literature. Right. And so that getting rid of that barrier is going to open up college's ability to extend access to co college education. As a quick question, how do you think the adversity score impacts this? Because now when the, when the SAT and ACT were first – or sorry, SAT, because I don't think the ACT has – Right. The, they have, they're working on their version. Okay. I, no, I think they – I have to go back and look because I think there was some discussion one way and then they came out with understatement. I think they're trying to not do that. So if it was – if the SAT was originally considered an objective measurement that's supposed to be exclusive, then now when you – Not exclusive like exclu inherently, but it actually works out that Not way. meant to be exclusive, but to – answering the question that entry into college should be earned by a certain type of merit and how well it measures that merit is something we'll also get into because we're not – that's not entirely solid either. How right. does the adversity score change this perspective? Well, I think, to, and just in case any listeners are not aware, we do have a whole episode on the adversity score. And a debate. And yeah, a debate. debate. Yep. That's right. That's one of our premium debates. I went up against John Bagwell. He was in favor of the adversity score. I was opposed. Uh, listeners, if any of you want to listen to that, uh, you can find that on our premium channel at whatstheres.podbean.com slash premium. Uh, but I think the adversity score is already a move in favor of the affirmative side okay. because the adversity score is already weakening the objective value of the SAT. So that would I would I could see it'd be interesting to kind of watch see what kind of steps it would take to show this in a round. But I could see somebody cutting a card to basically argue the adversity score is already yielding the objective value of the mm. of the test. And to say that what we really need to do is consider all of the surrounding factors, where someone lives, the crime rate, the home ownership rate in their area, the level of wealth in their schooling, all these things. Those are really what a college needs to consider to validate their decisions for admission. So to clarify this, because the negative wording of this resolution is getting to me and like all of all of this is Told getting you, mixed man. up. It's, it's yeah. tricky. So the affirmative is saying that universities ought not consider standardized tests because instead we should be focusing on diversifying the college environment. Mm -hmm. And they, the affirmative would argue that the adversity score is a move in favor of this from the objective measurement, so why not go all the way? Yes, I think okay. so. And the negative is saying that the, the SAT and ACT and standardized testing should be kept implemented like it is now because the college environment should have some kind of objective measurement to weigh who should be able to get in and who shouldn't. Yes, though I would also add that probably NEG has access to uh, a, a totally different argument about efficiency of weeding through applications as well. I think so. I mean, it's it comes down to the efficiency versus quality as mm -hmm. well because standardized – that's why I think there's a lot more to this resolution than just diversity and just those types of arguments because there's tons of literature on that. But right. when you get to the argument of efficiency, like maybe it's efficient. Maybe this is what helps colleges sort through all of these students. 
but what's the quality of the student that you're getting because of that? Affirmative could come back and instead of arguing solely for diversity or solely saying that the adversity score is helping this goal and everything, maybe we shouldn't be focusing on efficiency, but we should be focusing on, like we, we just did an interview with uh, Courtney Van Cleek about this that we'll also be posting later as well or maybe right, on right. a different day. The quality of that student that's coming to that school by with a 10-minute interview, some kind of interaction that determines what type of student you're letting into your school. So that's where I see a lot more ground on this debate that's not solely focused on race and diversity because there's money involved, there's cheating involved, there's, I mean, the adversity score was just mentioned or implemented months ago, and I'll be taking the SAT with the adversity score as well. I'll be one of the first people to take it, do you, I think. Do you think you're going to have a, uh, a helpful adversity score, Ethan? Um... I don't know because I don't get to see it. One thing. Oh, that's true. And um, the, the fact I, that you were driving a uh, what year car? Twenty sixteen. Yeah, you're driving a twenty sixteen car. Your car is. Uh, it's nine Carmax. Years. It's Carmax. It's used. I know, but it's used. It, yeah, but but. You don't look car, at my car. They will not. That's my property. I my know, car. I know. But your your car is illustrative of uh, the kinds of information that your parents will put on your. Maybe this will spur the the growth of rental companies renting out horrible cars <laughs> so you could drive up to your college interview in a piece of junk and then get into college. Oh, there we go. I will rent my car out to that company in a hot <laughs> second. Okay. Well, there, there's clearly a lot to get into here, and I don't know that either of us have really done the, um, the evidence weighing that uh, in order to get into a lot of the nitty-gritty details here. Um, but let's do, let's do discuss. So let's say, um, I think this probably is a place where without going full on and suggesting a plan, um, it will probably be advantageous for affirmative to come with a suggestion. Okay. What should affirmative do? So we're gonna, if we're going to follow the affirmative burden and get rid of standardized tests and consideration. I mean, that leaves a few things currently in place. You've got letters of recommendation. You've got a high school transcript. And uh, some places have a unique essay. Sometimes it's just kind of a generic one through the Common App program. But what, what else should people, uh, what else should colleges have in place of this standardized testing approach? Ideally, interviews with students or as much interaction and communication with those students as possible. Because I get that the SAT and ACT helps filter out certain students, but from the interview that we just did, I've learned so much about how it's really not a good measurement of that kind of thing because you're focusing and using education and time at school to help prepare for a test that isn't, it, well, for one thing, it's not even going towards the overall goal of education. It's going towards the overall goal of passing a test. And some people don't test well. It's just an objective measurement that doesn't fit the individual and all of those individuals that have to take it. So for something that a college could focus on, like you said, there's interviews, there's recommendation letters, and I know there probably should be a lot more focus on that in high schools as well because, again, from that interview we just did, we learned sure. that a lot of teachers don't actually put a lot of effort into those recommendation letters either at certain places. Well, but I'm not maybe. saying you don't. I know okay, you I do. Say, let, not, let's not no. speak further than we can. No, but she said at least in yeah. some cases she's seen that those have been neglected in favor of putting more attention on the adverse – or sorry, the SAT and ACT right. and more time should be focused elsewhere. Now, all of that is uh, if we were doing a – scientific analysis, we could describe that all as qualitative. That's yep. all focusing on the personal aspect. I was looking at one article today. Uh, once I, It was in the Daily Nebraskan, uh, and this was entitled, Standardized Test Requirements Should Be Removed from College Admissions. 
Well, I finished the article and then discovered that the author is a guy named Kyle Sheehy. Uh, Kyle is a was a freshman when he wrote this. A freshman, freshman in college. college. So I was I was a little disturbed. Like, wait a minute, suddenly you're not as authoritative as I thought. So I don't want to suggest this is necessarily the authoritative solution, but he had a different idea that I thought was interesting that might, on the one hand, I think it solves some of the quantitative desires. Because it's the, the interview process can, could be helpful, but it's also really easy to deceive people. If all you have is a 10-minute interaction, you might get a really positive interaction that doesn't match the other data. So colleges would certainly want to have some objective data to look at as well. Uh, Kyle recommends looking at the four years of GPA, uh, grade point average across a high, across a high school. And the trick there, his suggestion was that the test is focusing on a single day versus the GPA, which represents four years. Now, I think there's some inherent problems with that solution. Do you see any problems with focusing on the GPA? I have a different thought that's a little bit unrelated, so I'm going to let you finish okay. the GPA thing before I get All to right. that. Yeah. So I, I thought the, the GPA argument seems prone to grade inflation. True. Uh, yeah. So I think if you, if, so I don't know if that really solves it, but that certainly could be another metric that you see might interest be. in APs decreasing too. So maybe eventually that would balance out. Could be, could be. Um, but one place where it does seem to me that the SAT and ACT do serve a useful purpose uh, is that they do provide a an across the board metric that helps to compensate for the differences in education that we see. No matter what state you're in or no matter what your background is, everybody has access through the internet, through public libraries, to study resources to figure out what those tests are, are assessing. And it creates a sort of even playing field in a way. So in that sense, I can see them having some validity. I'm thinking here, you, when we were interviewing Matthew Tweed in a while back, he talked about perming plans. Uh -huh. This is one resolutional thing that came to mind, is that... The negative could just come back to the affirmative, and affirmative is like, we need to get rid of all of these standardized tests. Negative says, well, we can have standardized tests, and everything, every alternative that you propose, in addition to the standardized tests that are optional. So the optional part falls under the negative case, and they can also say, affirmative is like, wait, no, we need interviews, we need recommendations letter, we need more focus on all these things. Negative is like, great, we'll just take all of that and put it right next to the SAT. So now we have even more data. You know what I mean? So I'm seeing a negative okay. perm opportunity here. It's not like a policy or anything crazy like that. It's LD. But still, negative still has a ground to say, we can do both. And that's concerning for the affirmative, I think, because rather than proposing all of these different solutions, the affirmative has to find something that's unique to their side that can only be achieved by eliminating all standardized tests so the negative can't come back and incorporate their side into their own. Which means, I think if you're right, and I, that, that makes sense to me, if you're right, affirmative needs to go all in on the ought part of this resolution. And affirmative needs to figure out in what way is the SAT or ACT or standardized testing how does that actually harm the purpose of college? It's, it's LD. Always go all in on the odd. There's never a time to not go in all in on the odd for LD. Well, in which case, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on that then? How, do, how does the standardized testing actually harm the educational space of college in such a way that we ought not use that information at all? I can almost see two routes for the affirmative here. Is, so I'll read, the part, I'll read the resolution one more time. In the United States, colleges and universities ought not consider standardized tests in undergraduate admissions decisions. We, there's two kinds of cases we talked about one time where there's a kind of case that sort of tells a story where each contention fits into each other. And there's also a kind of case where there's three separate contentions that all kind of filter back to the value and make a more 
complete case. And I know the first one is a little bit of an older method. The second one's a bit right, of a newer right. method. So for the affirmative, I see the diversity side and going all in on something like that. I expect some debaters to do that. I also see the quality of assessing a student being another route. Now, being able to incorporate all of that in an affirmative constructive would be very impressive, but to do it well, I'm almost thinking you have to focus more heavily on one than the other because that's, it's not a lot of time, and if you want to do the job well, then you know what I mean? Like it's, it's difficult to fit that all into five minutes. But as far as a value goes, the value would change drastically based on which one of those two routes that you choose. Sure. So for the diversity route, you could probably go the quality of the educational environment, like some kind of short phrase to explain the, how you need quality in the, di, in the collegiate environment. Diversity or something around diversity could be made into a mm-hmm. sort of criterion. As far as the quality of assessing a student goes, you could almost argue the exact same value because it still it increases the quality of the collegiate environment when you focus more on the type of person that you're letting into there. So you could use the same value. Or you could probably focus on something else where you're focusing more on the student. It's a more personal approach. There, I think there's a lot of values that could fall under that. But for my affirmative, I would almost want to go both routes and try to incorporate a little bit of everything because that's just kind of how I do debate. Sure. But again, there's so much on both, both of those sides, it's going to be difficult to get it all in. There is, and there's, there, there's a lot to, I think part of this that we need to figure out is both sides need to have a very clear picture of what the purpose of college actually is. That's true. That's and very true. And on AF, I would want to be arguing something about the fact that um, college requires meeting people who are different from you. And then I might want to, so that might... Uh, And then I might want to then look at the fact that despite all of the attempts at increasing diversity in recent years, the college space is still predominantly occupied by the by the children of the wealthy. And that we don't have and that there are a lot of people who have demonstrated a work ethic and an academic aptitude that the SAT and ACT are failing to represent. And that really by getting rid of that application step it's going to allow the rest of their applications to really shine through. Now, on that, that's on AF. On NED, that's a great way of putting it too. I like yeah, that. yeah. I mean, because you've got plenty of people who, I mean, uh, and goodness, uh, it's, it's depending on. There's so many factors that go into what enables somebody to perform well on a standardized test. I mean, yeah, and we've seen all kinds of stories in the last year that come that keep coming out, whether about ways parents find to really get around the test. Cheating scandals from last year, the uh, transfer of guardianship of yeah, children. Yeah, literally transferring uh, your kid it's, it's to insane. another adult. Yeah. So, in which case, and, and of course, the fact that the test has gotten easier over time. Uh, that is really interesting to look at some of the data over, uh, especially what happens with the uh, SAT once it aligned with Common Core. Uh, suddenly, the, the test that used to be almost unbeatable, more people are getting 1600s than ever before on this thing. Which might mean, from the college's standpoint, that this is failing to really indicate certain things. Uh, it's failing to really tell us what we need to know. But isn't, aren't there certain, like, for different groups like, of ethnicities and races, there's a different chance of what, where you will get into college or how many people will get into college. I know some colleges have racial quotas. I think you told me about well, that Well, see, I, let, let's, let's, let's try to be precise with that. Yeah, I mean, be that, that certainly is the thought and the accusation. Uh, I was looking at uh, usnews.com has an article called The New Opt-Out Movement Colleges Make Entrance Exams Optional from October 26th of 2018. 
In there, they talk about uh, the current lawsuit that's happening with Harvard University. Yep. I mean, that was that was the big one from last year where a group of Indian students are bringing a lawsuit against Harvard for having unfair expectations and, and really not, not treating all ethnicities equal. And they're claiming there is a racial bias. Harvard, of course, denies this. Yeah. But... Uh, there is an awful lot of data over the years that I would expect affirmative to find and then bring to bear in this case that says white people tend to score a lot better on the SAT. Now, uh, and, and that then becomes a big problem if you can say, well, look, the SAT is not actually showing aptitude at scholastic things. It's showing that, what, that you come from a really wealthy family and your parents could afford an SAT tutor. Yep. In which case, that fails to really meet the purpose, and we can it really does. That. And it's again just to bring up how it's it's such a it seems like such a bad metric because again, there's so many factors that go into it. There's plenty of people that are are apt enough to go to college in certain areas, and everybody's specialized too. You can't just be because there's different sections on the SAT. So if you're better at one thing, you may not you may be weaker in one area, and that affects right. the overall score. So. It's the alternatives that I'm concerned about and the, ne and the negative trying to incorporate those alternatives into their side of the case and then ruining the affirmative's plan or plan-ish kind of proposal. But that's, that's what I see as far as... I mean, I think... Well, let's, let's think about the neg for a few minutes and I think we'll, we'll probably wrap this up sooner rather than later yep. on this episode. But let's think about neg for just a moment. Uh, so if, if affirmative has got really a strong purpose argument and looking at how the SAT, ACTs don't... Those don't really fulfill the purpose of helping, of showing that. Well, what about neg? What can we do with neg? Thoughts on the negative? Maybe you could say uh, a lot of people have heard this argument in favor of the SAT and ACT that it's an efficient sorting mechanism. Mm -hmm. You hear it all the time. It's probably the most canned argument that you could possibly hear in this type of debate. Right. And I mean, there's some evidence to support that. I haven't looked at it in a while, so maybe it's changed. But it's an efficient way for colleges to get rid of the students that they don't want below a certain score and how accurate this is again is another question from what we've discussed so far it seems like it's not very accurate but maybe it's a necessary evil kind of thing again it's ld so people will definitely get into that um another thing could be work ethic and maybe the sat and act used to be about proving aptitude or indicating aptitude as a signal to colleges now maybe it's more about work ethic and how hard someone worked to get a certain score, which could, I see that as a little bit more reliable of an argument, but again, there's so many factors that come in on testing day, the week before the testing day. Um, there, it could literally be anything that affected that person's score that it, and how hard they worked. Maybe somebody's just more talented, they didn't work at all. Someone else is not so talented, they had to work for you know six months to a year studying with tutors, spending a ton of money trying to get their score up. So it's not even an accurate indicator in indicating work ethic. But again, the efficiency, the work ethic are the two most common arguments I see. I know I'm expressing so much bias against it right now, but I know there is evidence <laughs> to support it. So it's not right. like they're bad arguments, they're there. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think part of that too is is really going to look at the state of the modern college and the modern university, where we've got to consider the scope and the scale on which these things operate. Uh, whether we've got Ohio, the Ohio State University with, well, I think it's 50,000 undergraduate students. North Carolina State has 20,000 undergraduate students. Wow. We're talking about this massive scale. And so when you're talking about admitting a group of students in the thousands, how do you weed through that? So I think the efficiency argument actually has a lot of merit. And that this becomes a, a way for colleges to quickly kind of use that as a, as a benchmark. And you see that the negative does gain a little bit more ground too. Maybe this is why the NSDA picked this resolution is because now NEG has a little bit more 
to bring to bear is the adversity score because that's included in the SAT now. Granted, we don't know exactly how it plays out, but and the ACT is working on their own version, and competitors are starting to, you know, like that whole the whole thing is happening. Neg can say, well, affirmative, I see that you want to consider all of these other factors, and the SAT hasn't done a great job of that, but look, now we have the adversity score where we've solved for that that inconsistency in our data and our collecting of data, so why not go with the negative plan now? Because now we have an objective measurement that takes into account the personal aspects of that person's life, so would that not be considered more accurate and under your affirmative plan? So I think that's a great counter-argument and block on negative, honestly. It's, it's, and the adversity score is going to be good for them. I think one other piece on NEG that we might need to consider is the fallout if someone is admitted to college who is not actually, um, deserving is the wrong word, but is not actually qualified to be there. Uh, in the U.S. News uh, article I referenced earlier, they quote the president of the ACT, his last name is Montgomery, uh, as saying that, uh, here's the start of the quote, while I understand that colleges want to really look at expanding how they determine their admissions process, there has to be some objective measure in there that helps them make that decision. The jury is still out, but we believe that the ACT and SAT, for that matter, support a more holistic view of readiness, of preparedness for college. Now, part of that is not just academic preparation, but it's also a way of making sure that students are financially capable of, uh, of preparing for that, meaning that if their tutoring is required, so on, they can swing that. He goes on to say, if more colleges continue to go on that route of diminishing the value of those standardized tests, I worry that if we don't have that objective measure, we will be admitting kids who aren't necessarily prepared for college, and after a year or so, they decide to leave college with lots of debt and no degree. Which, if you remember, we talked about in our, uh, one of our Coolidge debates that had to do with uh, whether or not college was worth the cost. Right. The, m the greatest harm existed in the data we found to students who began college, took out a lot of debt, and did not complete it, because they right. didn't get the return on investment that comes with a college degree in the marketplace. There's at least some degree of, of worth in the SAT and ACT when it comes to determining, determining aptitude. Even if you spent a ton of money on a tutor to help you, as uh, Ms. Van Cleek was saying, manipulate the test mm -hmm. so that you know testing skills rather than the actual things that it talks about. Again, there's a reading section, a language section, a math section, and an optional essay. So. If you spend six months to a year working with those things with a tutor, you have to have learned something about those topics. So it's not like you're completely void of any knowledge to language reading, math, and, and essay writing, especially essay writing, being like that you can't simply take apart a sentence and answer mm -hmm. things that way, even though it's optional. But I think to some degree, a good SAT or ACT score shows that you've worked with these concepts enough and these basic skills to be able to go to college and apply those skills to further your education even more. So if there's data on that, that's probably one of the strongest neg arguments I could think of. Okay. Well, with that, let's uh, let's close this out with some value suggestions. Let's do it. Uh, so I'm a, I'll, I'll take AF, and uh, I'll feed it over your way for, for neg here in a second. On affirmative, I would suggest a value of equity or diversity. And I, I would really encourage folks to really go all in on that as the, val the highest value of the round. Uh, you've got plenty of data that's going to support that. And really looking at the increase of access there being really the comfort. And the, you've got some quick ties to justice in that word equity. It's looking at the equality is also kind of a close kin to that term. 
Now, your value criterion, uh, I like to see my very specific value criterions. I want to see something very measurable. So I would suggest looking for uh, increased applications of underserved communities. Okay. If a college has not seen a large number of African-American or Hispanic or Asian-American uh, applica applications from those students, but suddenly they get rid of the SAT and ACT, I would want to see that, oh, this increases applications from these communities that were not previously uh, uh, applying, showing that we are increasing the diversity of the student population through the application process. That would then set up a case that is looking at how the SAT and ACT are not currently allowing for a more diverse campus community, and making this change is going to achieve the value of diversity. And on NEG, we have a proposed value of purpose or teleology, and the value criterion would be academic rigor. So the NEG is going all in on the purpose of the SAT and ACT, the, again, the sorting mechanism, the efficiency, the general aptitude that it could indicate, and going all in on that narrative that we've seen for a long time now. I do want to comment on something on AF really quick. I, I like the AF value, so I'm going to agree with you here. I like the criterion as well. I'm thinking, and I want to get your thoughts on this, if we could make it a little bit more general so we can also incorporate those aspects of the quality of students that we're letting in as well and the more personalized approach. So maybe if the value is the collegiate environment or something to do with that collegiate environment, the criterion I'm not so sure about, but increasing diversity could be shown to be beneficial to the collegiate environment. Also increasing the integration with students and the admission staff or the knowledge of the students and the interactions with the students. I feel like that's also, I think that's also a very valuable aspect of, that needs to make it into this debate somewhere so that we have a little bit more substance to work with. So if there's any value and criterion that you think we could make a little more general to fit all of that under the affirmative, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that when cases get too broad, they get too loose, and I would be much more excited to see a round, see someone come in on AF with more clear data, and measuring the college environment is really hard to do. Mm. So I don't know how we're going to do that. I, mean, I already think diversity is, diversity is tricky, but it is something a bit more objective and it's a bit more visible. Okay. So if we're going to uphold diversity as a value and if we're going to define diversity as having people from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds in the same college community, well, that's seeable, that's visible, that's measurable. Uh, measuring the college environment and, and even saying that, I don't quite know that I see that as a value or see how to, how to really maybe sell not, that as Maybe a not the college environment, but the quality of the college environment, which again is very difficult to that's measure. That's very well. difficult. It's very, so, I mean, and that, that's going to become much more subjective. You might have some students who think the college environment is wonderful, while other students think that it's terrible. I, can, I think I'm going to concede your point here. I think no. that diversity is a good value. So I don't usually just do that on the show and agree with you like <laughs> that, but I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. I think diversity and equity is a great value. Oh, and I'll, I'll at least chime in one other thought on NEG, uh, that really NEG and, uh, is going to have to have a pretty clear view on the purpose of the college or the university space. And NEG needs to own, and this is going to be part of the, one of the maybe the more difficult parts of this case, NEG needs to own the fact that you need to say diversity is not the highest good. And that's what I think from the folks that we've competed with or against, I, I think I, I can imagine several students who are going to have trouble with, with owning that position. And, and really for the, for the negative case, I think affirmative has access to so much on the diversity argument. NEG has to fulfill the burden of clash by upholding, there's got to be this purpose of the collegiate space 
that is actually diversity may fit underneath the purpose, but the academic rigor of the college space must be superior to the diversity from the negative perspective. And then you have to link to the establishment of an objective measurement of academic preparation in order to really achieve the value. That's a great way for because at the in those final speeches, you know, people always say, Well, your value actually fits under mine and your value actually fits under mine. Neg has a great spot to do that. And and I right. can see affirmative trying it as well, but that's really good for Neg because look, academic rigors at the top. Diversity can help us get there. This can help us get there, but we need an objective measurement and bam, there it is. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think Neg, I, I, I do think Neg has to be careful here because you will run into trouble very quickly if you seem to come across as hating the idea of diversity. Yep. That's, judges are not going to side with you if you come across saying what we need is an ethnically homogenous college that's simply not going to fly but if instead if you can fit diversity underneath that as supporting academic rigor i see a lot of ground here and for there's the where the adversity score comes in is, is a good objective or i guess relatively objective it would be if we i think it could be would be much more useful if we knew exactly what the 15 at least it shows were at least it shows potential so sure. it's, it's something on the negative side to show that i'm not trying to eliminate diversity but so here's something that could help right well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope that this episode is helpful to you and your preparation. Thank you for joining us today on What's the Res? My name's Josh Herring. My name's Ethan Delves. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you. If, uh, if any of our suggestions are helpful, or if they're not, we'd love to know. Uh, Ethan, how can folks get in touch with us? If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at whatstherez at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-S at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and, and Reddit at whatstherez underscore. Check out our website, www www.whatstherez.com. Follow our Facebook page called What's the Res, and we would be glad to answer any questions that you have. And until next time. Well, before we sign off. Oh, yeah, let's just, not sign off yet. Yeah, just in case you say, oh, I need more debate in my life. We have got right. that for you. Uh, you can check out our premium episodes where we release a new debate episode that's an actual debate between two people researching some contemporary, uh, interesting, relevant issue. We have a, uh, a gun, uh, gun law reform episode. Adversity we have, score. We have the adversity score. Uh, we've got a couple episodes now dealing with fiction and literature and how all that works. Uh, we try to have a lot of fun with those, and we release a new one every month, and uh, occasionally Ethan does analysis episodes of those to kind of help give you the debater's perspective on each round. You can find those for $3 a month or $30 a year at our at uh, whatstherez.podbean.com slash premium. And until next time, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth.